I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel for the stand, saddle, or blind. First Light. Go farther, stay longer. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. I'm your host, Tony Peterson, and this episode is all about how to winter scout in order to find spots that will actually allow you to hunt them. On last week's show, I tried to stress how we we pretty much all have blind spots with our understanding of the land that we whitetail hunt. I hope I made it clear because it is important. There's always something to learn out there. I, I actually truly believe that. I also believe that there are some spots that are super conducive to hunting and others that are just lost causes. There are more of those out there than you probably think. So listen up, because I'm going to get into it. But first, have you bought yourself the new Meat Eater Trivia board game? If not, you might want to consider it since we have about 14 months of winter left that will be full of, you know, plenty of boredom. Now, if you're worried you won't like it because it's Spencer Newhart's baby and he's, well almost weirder than Mark Kenyon, don't worry. Other than the vague memory that the game is Spencer's brainchild, he won't be involved in your family game night. Go check it out at TheMeatEater.com and remember that a portion of every sale goes directly to conservation. I have a lot of issues with colleges and universities. Not only do I think it's a crime against humanity that they've raised tuition prices so much in recent years, but I also think it's totally BS that you're required to take a couple of years of gen eds before getting into your major. Now, I know no one forces us to go, but higher education is the direct route to a career for an awful lot of 18-year-olds and offering them ridiculous loans and then requiring they take bowling or interpretive dance or in my case, badminton, to even begin to earn a degree 
is as close to outright theft as you can get without actually reaching into their wallets and taking their cash. I know there is a counterpoint to buying the ticket and taking the ride, and that's valid. It's just a system that bothers me personally, probably because of the classes I had to take. Some of those classes were like accounting and various levels of math. Now, I had a therapist tell me one time how dangerous self-diagnosis was, but he also wore a lot of pink sweater vests, so maybe his judgment was a little off. Either way, I have all of the signs of dyscalculia, which is a learning disorder involving numbers. The long and short of it is, you have trouble, even as an adult, with math that's above about a fourth grade level. If you have that, you might suffer from this condition. And if you have it, you might have trouble, I don't know, memorizing a phone number, for example. You might as well hit yourself in the face with a brick if somebody rattles off a bunch of quick numbers. It might be more pleasant. And as an added bonus, if you write that number down by hand, the odds are pretty good you'll swap a few digits, which makes most phone numbers a lot less valuable. As someone who truly cannot grasp the numbers game, college-level math and accounting courses were pure torture for me. The concepts that my peers so easily grasped were so far beyond me, it was truly embarrassing. It has been clear to me for a long, long time that I was never going to work in a field that required a lot of math and spending stupid money to take courses on topics that I'll never, ever, ever, ever work in was just kind of insulting. It's just like there's no way for my brain to figure out algebra, no matter how slow people talk to me about it or how much they break it down. It doesn't matter if they grab some visual aids like colored blocks. It's nearly inaccessible to me. Now, I'm not proud of this, and I don't recommend this for anyone listening, but I cheated my ass off in those classes, and I barely, barely made it through. I don't want any of you fine folks to write yourself off as a lost cause in any category, at least not without giving it a hell of a go. But the truth is, at some point, we have to recognize some of the things that are just beyond our reach. This might occur in the dating world for you single folks. It might be a promotion at your job when your immediate supervisor would rather electroshock his delicates than talk to you. Or it might be the sweet, sweet spot you find winter scouting this year that's full of big buck sign, but just isn't huntable for some reason. How was that? Did I stick that landing when I brought that whole rant home? I hope so. Because this is something we don't hear about much, but spots that are just unhuntable are all over out there and they will factor into your life. Now, before I dive into how to figure out if you're dealing with one of those areas, let me say a few things. The reason that this rarely gets talked about is because we often get fed information from people who can just make enough spots huntable that they don't have to worry about this. This is one of the many reasons why baiting has such a high compliance rate where it's legal and honestly, too high of a compliance rate in many places where it's not legal. If you can make the deer walk somewhere, you've smoothed out most of the wrinkles. If you can't, you have to understand what you're working with. Now, another reason you rarely hear about this topic is because even though it happens a lot to most of us, these spots don't play into our success stories for obvious reasons. 
an area that is just teeming with buckseye but has the worst swirling winds and horrible access, it's probably not going to make it into a bunch of stories about big public land bucks getting killed. And speaking of public land bucks, let me lay out a scenario for you to really frame this up. When you travel to new states and new pieces of ground where anyone can hunt, you almost have to scout and go mobile if you want a chance. On these hunts, I find spots that I want to sit all the time, but they often don't allow me to hunt them in a way that won't be a total disaster. And I, when I say this happens all the time, I mean it. You know, from trees not being conducive to a saddle or a stand to nowhere remotely decent to set up on the ground, lost cause spots are all over out there. You know, the same goes for prevailing wind and access. Even if you could hunt a spot because it has the right tree, the conditions might make it a real bad idea. I'd say finding these types of spots is more common than finding good spots that actually allow for a decent hunt. In fact, my ratio is probably about three to one. How's that for math? This is something most of us don't think about when we winter scout. I know that I have to remind myself of it all the time. It's so easy to walk up to that hillside bench you've always ignored, see a bunch of big rubs on it, maybe a great big bed, and think, well, my work's done. That's all I need to do. But you have to scout now while living in the future. What will that bench look like you know, in September you know, when there's good cover on it? How many suitable trees are within shooting range of it that will allow you to not get spotted or winded? How good is the access? When you're out there walking a side hill that terminates in a valley and you start to investigate where the hardwoods spill into a swamp, pay attention to not only why the spot has deer sign, but whether that matters to you as a hunter. The best, most rubbed up areas out there might be nearly unhuntable. And that means that you've only found a small piece of the puzzle and aren't as close to solving the whole thing as you think. The thing about the advice I gave last week on really committing yourself to learning the land is that you should absolutely do that. So you can not only figure out where deer like to walk, but where the spots are that they are actually killable. Learning about you know a spot where a big buck made a bunch of rubs or visited scrapes, that's valuable but it doesn't get you where you need to be if you can't hunt it properly. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule 
Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Lately, I've been telling you guys about Land.com, the site that can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own where you can do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with family you want. Land can be a great investment. Getting your own piece of land is something that can both generate income over time and also generate a lot of memories for generations to come. It's an investment you get to use and enjoy and take care of while it works for you. And any good investor will tell you to start investing sooner than later. Well, they've got hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Land.com can help you find properties for hunting, fishing, a lake house, a hobby farm, or if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound as a way to better secure future generations. Land.com will also help connect you with the right agent that specializes in rural real estate. So enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. Connecting the various types of features or learning which oak trees should be dropping in early October is great, but it pays to remember that you probably just can't wait for the acorns to start falling and walk in there, find a tree, set up, and shoot a buck. The reason I think it's important to walk through the woods and figure out the terrain features and the soft edges and whatever else is because you can filter all that stuff through reality. Some places are just unhuntable at all times or more likely during certain conditions. Now, with that caveat, I'll say this. I don't want to give you too much hope on the certain conditions thing. Some spots might be huntable on, say, I don't know, an east wind, which you'll certainly get a couple of times each season, and that's about it. Or maybe you can only access a certain banging spot when it's raining because otherwise you'll make far too much noise all right what are the odds that your free time and the right east wind or the right rain shower will align along with a bunch of other conditions recognizing the lost cause is important but it's also important to recognize something as a lost cause without actually knowing if it's true this is where things get weird but hear me out I winter scout a lot, and I find a lot of spots that I think I can hunt. Some 
I'm 99% sure will work out. Others, I have a lot less faith in. But I rarely write off a good spot completely until I've actually hunted. The spots that start as iffy but work out tend to be the ones I have the most off-season time invested in. If that bench that is covered in sign just won't work, but I know there is a rub line leading down the hill to the creek bottom, I don't need that bench as much anymore. I might be able to sniff out an ambush site 200 yards away and still play off that January discovery, but not exactly off the best spot I found. I hear from hunters often who tell me they can't hunt certain valleys or certain spots because they'll get busted. This most likely ties into swirling winds or, more importantly, the belief that the wind is always going to swirl there. As someone who grew up hunting valleys in bluff country and didn't really understand swirling winds at the time, I'll say this. That is not a universal truth. We need to quit buying into that because it's entirely dependent on a ton of factors that can change and will change. Will the winds swirl if they are 5 miles per hour the same way they will at 30? What about if the wind is blowing straight down the valley versus across it? Be careful with this lost cause stuff while you're winter scouting, because what we think we know and what is actually true are often vastly different. It's also important to draw upon the opposite end of the spectrum. Have you ever had a spot that was just like you had an invisible shield around you? Maybe it's a basswood clump or some other clump of trees where the access was perfect and you just never got busted. Those locations tend to become our favorites for obvious reasons. But ask yourself, what makes them special? And when you start answering that question, ask yourself where you might find that somewhere else. Instead of resigning yourself to probably getting busted by carrying a saddle and some sticks into a risky spot that is covered in sign, is there a much safer setup nearby that maybe won't offer as high of an odds of an encounter but will offer a much better chance of stringing together multiple, less risky hunts? This is where you need to think things through while winter scouting. Maybe you find a spot that you really like, but you know it's going to be pretty rough wind-wise, or all of the trees are super small and you're likely to get busted, but you really, really want to hunt it. Look around. Is there a way to set up on the ground? Maybe season a ground blind from July through to the hunting season or prep a natural ground blind. Getting on the ground changes the wind game. I mean, it simplifies it. It also allows you to hide better if you know what you're doing. I don't know how many bucks I've killed because a lost cause spot turned more huntable just because I figured out some way to hunt it from the ground, but it happens a lot. I know you know this stuff, but it's easy to forget when you're winter scouting. We tend to assume we will be super disciplined and figure out as much as we can so that we have a huge advantage when the season hits. But there's a lot of time between now and the rut, my friends. There's a lot of time to forget the little details or worse, convince ourselves that we pretty much covered all of our bases way back in January. If only. It's so easy to sabotage your future self by not winter scouting the way you need to in order to set yourself up for success. 
This is why I'm such an advocate for getting out there now and dropping some waypoints and laying down some access routes and just generally gauging the likelihood that I'll be able to truly hunt a spot the way I want. So let me tie a bow on this by bringing in one more scenario. Think about your fall, any fall you've had as a hunter. You have probably had this happen dozens of times. You think, all right, it's October 25th. I'm getting out of work early, and I just know a big one is going to get moving you know, a little bit before sunset. I know he's probably bedded up on that good ridge somewhere and will come down to the field at last light. And you have a stand hung or a tree prepped to catch him on the most likely trail. You know it'll happen, but you check the forecast, and it's going to be 65 degrees instead of 35, and the wind is going to be southwest and not straight out of the north. It's really not good for that setup, but you want to hunt there so bad. So you do one of three things. You talk yourself into hunting it, and you risk it. Or you hunt somewhere else where you have way less confidence. Or you just don't hunt. I think all three of those are pretty bad options. Now, what if you had winter scouted better and found the little seep on the hillside that pulls into a gallon of spring water and is only a couple hundred yards from where he's probably bedded? Or what if you had stumbled across a really cool rub line dropping off of that bedding ridge, but in a direction sort of away from that obvious food source? Why was that there? What if you had scoured the area and not only found a bang and tree stand site on your favorite trail, you know, the one you wanted to go into to hunt but can't really because of the conditions, but you also found a spot 75 yards away where you can tuck into a deadfall and hunt from the ground. You know, the kind of spot that is perfect for a southish wind, but terrible for a northish wind. Instead of forcing yourself to make a bad decision based on what you believe a big one is going to do, you can scout enough to give yourself some backups and then some backups to your backups. You've worked out the land and the connection between various types of habitat to not only discover the best buck sign, but the spots that will allow you to hunt them when the conditions are a certain way. I know this sounds easy when you're listening to some math challenge podcast host, but it's not. The toughest part is doing enough of the work to make this happen. And what's worse is there probably isn't enough work in the world to cover you in every situation. Even if you winter scout every day from January to April and you are sure you have everything dialed, you probably won't even be close. You will be far more prepared than your competition and you will have a hell of a lot better understanding on how to surprise a big one with your presence when he thinks he's safe but you can't master this stuff. The best you can do is try to be disciplined enough to get closer and closer as the years go by. So get out there and learn the land. When you find something that makes you feel a little tingly inside, like Mark does when he sees a neat pollinator fluttering across the native prairie grass, figure it out. And I mean, and I'll say this for my Canadian friends too, figure it out. Look for signs of a lost cause or a rock-solid option or something in between that you're going to have to work with. Work those spots in multiple directions and find what they might be connected to in the grand scheme of buck travel. 
Build your knowledge base now so you can have some fun hunting with confidence later. And come back next week because I'm going to do a fun episode on all of the shit that I truly believe about deer hunting and why that might matter to you or, well, not. That's it. I'm Tony Peterson. This has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening and for all your support. I honestly, truly appreciate it, as does everyone else at uh, the old Meat Eater. And if you want some more whitetail content, or maybe you want to listen to Clay's podcast, or check out those Element Boys hunting some hogs down in Texas, go to TheMeatEater.com, and you'll find all kinds of amazing content. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space.